Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible teacher, author, and adventure junkie. Join me each week for compelling conversations with leading voices that encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together, we'll discover miracles in life's messy moments and make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Well, welcome back to the Make Life Matter podcast. I am super excited to bring you a brand new friend today. Her name is Dr. Tiffany Tajiri. Dr. Tiffany is a licensed and board certified clinical psychologist, a veteran U.S. Air Force officer, and currently the chief of the largest behavioral health clinic at Fort Bliss, Texas. She is the CEO and founder of Stand Up and Recover and the creator of Rhythm Restoration, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes, and co-author of Abundant Recovery Curriculum at Abundant Church. She also has a brand new book called Peace After Combat, and we're going to talk about that in a moment just as well. So welcome, Dr. Tiffany. I'm so honored to have you here. Oh, Angela, we're blessed to be a blessing. And I just love your energy. I love what you do. So God has just had his hand on you and anointed you. And I just say thank you for how you are a vessel of his love and light for so many listeners out there. Oh, well, thank you so much. You you beat me to the punch because my first notes are to thank you so much for your service. And I don't know that I've interviewed a woman with military service. So I'm excited about this. Cool. You yeah, know, I loved it. Um, Air Force, fly, fight, win. It was it what developed me throughout my time. And I spent about five years doing that and just enjoyed it. It was a blessing to be able to be on the other side so that I can help and support the veterans that I love so much. So I want to talk about your book, but I want to first find out from you, um, like you have a very varied and unique background. You are uh, born again believer and you are had a military career and a clinical psychologist. So how have you melded all of those together like you do so beautifully? Oh, that's so kind of you. You know, I was blessed to have the opportunity to get my graduate school degree paid for. So I didn't need the military to rely on paying for a scholarship, but the Lord out of the blue, kind of like he always does, shakes me just a little bit and says, daughter, I have a vision for you and I'm going to insert it in your mind. And I use that incredible imagination he gives me. And I let that lead. The Holy Spirit needs to lead everything we do. And, and he said, you know what? You should join the military for your residency. And I thought, what an idea. I never really thought about that. Um, I had people in my family who had served for many years. And uh, my husband now, we weren't together back in the day, is a combat veteran himself. And he's amazing, a retired colonel. I'm so blessed to have him in my life. So he put me in this direction, the Lord. I ended up doing my residency at Wilford Halt Lackland Air Force Base as a commissioned captain. Mm -hmm. And I spent about five years in the military doing things from the selection and assessment of special operations, right? Those hardcore, excuse my French, badasses out there. <laughs> do everything, those Iron Men. It was so much fun. But then I also ran groups like suicide prevention, program management. I ran clinics. So it was just an incredible opportunity. And then I thought, you know, it's time for me now to work as a civilian. Because as you can see, having my own treatment modality and my own book really requires me to color outside the lines. And 
I needed a little bit more freedom to maneuver, so to speak, in the military language. And so I thought, you know, it's time to be a civilian and I want a stable life to raise my son with my husband in my hometown of El Paso. And then just God anointed me after I got certification after certification to allow me to be chief of probably one of the largest behavioral health clinics in the army. And it's truly my goal to bring Jesus back to the equation, to bring God and spirituality and psychology all together, because it is deemed the most protective factor when it comes to suicide prevention. And we got to help save them, you know, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and psychologically. I'm glad you mentioned that. I was going to ask you, there's a staggering statistic that I wrote as I was preparing for our interview, and that is that one combat veteran commits suicide every hour. What can we do, Dr. Tiffany? How can we do better? Because obviously that indicates that that we are failing them. And my husband and I passed through church outside of Washington, D.C., and he did a couple of funerals last year of suicide. And he said in the pulpit and said, I don't want to do one more funeral on suicide. It's a permanent solution to a temporary feeling. And so he he preached about it. We're advocating for people to choose life. So so share just a minute about that and, and what we can do to see these statistics change. What a good question. And you know what we're seeing in these numbers is that there's the younger population that's ending their life by suicide who haven't gone to combat yet. And then there's those who return from combat and what they've seen in war radically changes how they view themselves, others in the world at large, which gets them to ask that question, where is God in the midst of suffering? And so often they suffer alone. Those returning from combat suffer in silence because they feel that behavioral health is a stigma. They feel that if you seek behavioral health services, you're automatically going to be discharged from the military, which is absolutely 100% not true. And so they suffer in isolation. And then they get stuck in this hole with this negative feedback cycle of the enemy saying they're not enough, whether they have survivor's guilt or twisted guilt, a term I coined in my book. And so then they get stuck on addiction too. They might get involved with alcoholism, you name it, to kind of start separating themselves and their problems. They feel that that helps sort it out or it helps numb it. And then It's those things that push them over the edge that get them impulsive enough to end their life by suicide, though that's one end of the spectrum, okay? Mm -hmm. The other end of the spectrum is the younger generation. And the younger generation, their minds aren't fully formed yet. We're working with a very different population than we were with generations prior to or, or later thereafter. And so these younger generations are just not equipped spiritually enough to to withstand some of the challenges of just being in the military, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's just military life, they haven't gone to combat yet. So it, it goes on two ends. And, and the first end for the young folk that are coming in is we need to make sure that we teach them about the importance of faith, that faith changes our brain. It has incredible neuroprotective factors. When we look at our brain and the MRI and we see somebody who believes in a spiritual versus somebody who's not, the neuroprotective factors are so much greater, more happy molecules. We have a different alpha energy wave that goes within us that helps us to seek peace more effectively and efficiently. It brings a calming to our lives and Mm -hmm. also gives us perspective and a way to frame the negative things that happen in our lives. It essentially makes us more resilient. So we have to teach spirituality at the beginning. Spirituality is so important. You cannot go to war combat without understanding that God is on your side and he's not the author of evil. On the end of the spectrum, what we need to do with those individuals who are seasoned combat 
combat veterans is let them know and educate them that they're not alone. They have to see that God is on their side. If the bottom line up front in the military, we call it the bluff, right? The bottom line up front. If it's not love, it's not God. And we have to teach them that God's not the author of confusion, that God's not the author of evil. And we have to teach them how to rewire their brains neuroplastically, because when all they see is the tragedy, tragedy of their pain and suffering, essentially they have these pain blinders on. We need to remove them because they can't see God because God was in the midst of that, not in the negativity, but in the divine connections. Yes, though they were in combat, he was still parting the Red Sea when they didn't even recognize it. So when they are able to recognize that there's peace coming to the equation and they need that peace so that they avoid putting that pistol in their mouth. It's just sad, Angela. You know, and even in your very first chapter, you start with, with a combat veteran story who, you know, literally found himself at the end of his rope with the pistol in his mouth and his young child comes in and yells for the dad to come and play outside. And and you share so many stories in this book. I want to mention the full name, Peace After Combat, Healing the Spiritual and Psychological Wounds of War. It is such a needed resource, Dr. Tiffany. Thank you so much. And and you've been in countless sessions with combat veterans. You include a lot of their stories in the book and, and their loved ones, helping them, like you said, have preventative as well as post Uh, war help. And right out here outside of DC, we have so many military families. But what I loved about this, it is evident that so many of us, Dr. Tiffany, are struggling with trauma and PTSD, especially after coming off of the last year. And uh, you, you know, you mentioned a couple of ways we can identify trauma and what it looks like, and then how we can process a traumatic event so that we can move past it. So if you're listening right now, maybe you're not a combat veteran, or maybe you're not a military family, but I I guarantee you, as Dr. Tiffany shares, you're going to feel and recognize some of these things because we've all been through such a difficult traumatic experience. So share with us a bit how we can be more trauma-informed, how we can recognize the signs, and how we can process And you mentioned that one of the hallmark symptoms is avoidance. And so Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's some others that you could share as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think we have to be very in tune with our emotions. And oftentimes we experience our psychological and even our spiritual state. We feel it physically. You know, are we scared? Is it, is it fear that gets us stuck? There's usually an event that really keeps us ajar. I always talk about the importance of making sure that we are spiritually minded. We have, we're created in the image of God. We're broken down into the spirit, the soul, and the flesh. And it's so important for us to have that spiritual alignment wherein the flesh surrenders to the soul, which is our free will and our mind, right? And then that needs to surrender to the spirit. And the spirit mm-hmm. needs to lead if we want to wire our brains adaptively for love and light. But when we have some incongruence in that, that's what trauma does. It often shakes it one direction that way, the other this way, and we're not in line with with the spirit that keeps us stuck. We have to be very in tune with the physical feeling about it, how we, the sensations of our body, right? What are some triggers? What triggers those five senses that elicits an event that made us feel uncomfortable? And you're right, avoidance is the hallmark trait of PTSD. And that 
that's why people aren't getting the help that they need. Mm -hmm. I think of avoidance like a little snowball at the beginning. You know, your trauma is a little snowball when you avoid. It's just this big. The idea and the healthy way, what we need to do is take that snowball and throw it against the wall so that it breaks up. We need to psychologically, spiritually digest the meaning of that painful experience, make sense of it, understand that God's not the author of it, right? Understand that God's working for us to heal. No one's immune to suffering in this world not even Jesus. But what happens if we continue to avoid is we take that snowball and we keep pushing it in the snow until it becomes like the base of a snowman. It gets bigger and bigger as it collects. And then eventually it becomes an avalanche in our life. And we can't have that happening Mm -hmm. because we are vessels. We are spiritual vessels. We're meant to do two things. We pour it into and pour out of, and we have to ask ourselves, what are we letting pour in and what are we pouring out? Mm -hmm. Right. And when that vessel is congested with hurtful, painful experiences, things that make us feel stuck, just not right, that make us feel anxious in a jar, we need to clear out that vessel because that way we can be more effective providers of God's grace and love for other people, but also take care of ourselves because God calls us to take care of ourselves in his abundance and his love. Mm, I love that. That's just, it's, it's true. We may know but yeah. we may not know how to put it into practice. Or for some of us, we may be hearing it for the first time and you're like, oh my goodness, that's me. To be aware of what we're feeling, to assess that, to, to submit our flesh under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Yes, but to also know how to do that. You mentioned something just then that, that made me think, you have a whole chapter that talks about control. And I think sometimes we do avoid because it feels so out of control or it feels like we don't know how to do what we're supposed to do to move forward. So what is the difference between influence and control and what can we control? You know what? I love that. Let me just pull us back just a little bit. So we have some context. Absolutely. My, my algorithm for all things in life is as follows. And it really helps my service members and anybody going through a toxic experience. Bottom line, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God neurobiologically wired us for love and relationship, right? So we have love then we have relationship, but a precursor to relationship is what it's free will. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, we're vessels and we're going to choose either love and light or darkness and selfishness, right? And so with that being said, God's not going to take away our free will because if he takes away our free will, the creation, the purpose of our creation being love is null and void. He's not going to, but he's going to get us through and he's going to help us get through the difficult times. Sometimes we may be vessels of someone else's suffering because we're being selfish and we're not being Holy Spirit led, right? And so In that circumstance, you made a really good point. There's a difference between influence versus control because the only things, Angela, that we have control of in our life are our own thoughts, our own emotions, and our own behaviors. And everything else is just influence. Now, this goes for my combat veterans, right? Either they have a high degree of influence in combat or a low degree. We call it the fog of war. And this is for us in all circumstances. We are in the spiritual warfare. So there is a fog of war for every single one of us. We don't know the variables of the enemy, every outcome that could happen. We don't know what the climate's going to be like that day. We don't know if our equipment's going to fail or if it's going to jam up, right? So we don't have control over that. The goal is to maximize our influence, Mm -hmm. right? And so some things that our combat veterans do, if let's say one person, there's a, a, um, the direction of right to go or the direction of left. And let's say they chose the direction of right and they hit an IED mm-hmm. and the vehicle just gets blasted. And unfortunately, the people inside, it looks like the interior of a blender. 
There's somebody who chose that pathway who starts to blame themselves. I told them you didn't have a crystal ball to predict the future that day, but you're acting like you did. The reality is you had no idea. And your intention was never for that to happen. And we get so stuck on trying to feel like we have control over our lives that we like to think we have control. We try to make what we call twisted guilt, right? Mm -hmm. Give ourselves the illusion that we have control when we don't. And it's really hard for us to surrender. You know, God in, in the big picture, he's already secured the victory. He's in control on that end. Yes, we have free will and we're free agents maneuvering around, but we have to know that in the end we have the victory is not our battle. He's already won it for us. But the reality is we can't get stuck in that twisted guilt, twisted guilt. For example, let me just give you an example. Let's say I go to the mailbox and I open it up and I get like this huge medical bill. I'm like, what? No, my insurance should have covered this. I get so angry. I walk inside and my sweet little pooch jumps up on me and is wanting to see me. And I push my dog away, say, no, get away. And I go into my room and I try and figure it all out. Then I come out and I see my little pup on the floor crying. And I feel guilty, right? I should feel guilty because I could control my own thoughts and behaviors. That's true guilt. Twisted guilt is when I say I should have controlled those, my brothers and sisters who got hit by that IED. But the reality is I can't. And the enemy who is Satan loves twisted guilt. The more we feed it, the more we give into it, Mm. or we end up in a place of depression and a place wherein we're more vulnerable to ending our life by suicide. Mm, thank you, Dr. Tim. That's such great insights to help us to unpack some of that. You use rhythm restoration in a lot of your sessions. Can you explain that a bit for us? Because I think that will help us to know how we can get out from under twisted guilt or the false sense of control that can lead us to depression. So walk us through because it's, it's a wonderful and I think it's a unique process that you created. Is that correct? Yes, you're right. Mm. And so rhythm restoration really, truly, let me just give you the high level overview and then I'll break down the fun science behind it because I think it's really cool because I'm a nerd, but the big picture is it helps us one for visualizing things that we want in the future. I always talk about kingdom imagination. There's carnal imagination and kingdom. If it's spirit led, you know, you trying to make the world a better place, and you visualize those things, it's really awesome to use because we need to lay down new and adaptive neural networks for our brain. But then it can also be used to reconfigure kind of a creative transformation of past traumatic experiences to get us unstuck, to actually change how the brain is wired. It breaks down that memory to the physical substrates and we wire it in a different way. So it doesn't have that traumatic, enduring sense that makes us feel like we can't move on. So number one, rhythm, super cool. The first thing we ever heard when we were in our mother's womb was her heartbeat, right? So rhythm helps us to regulate the autonomic nervous system. It helps to calm us. It's very soothing. Okay. The second part is a fancy psychobabble word, bilateral stimulation. It's super easy. It's just like walking or running. What I'm doing right now, that's bilateral stimulation. I raise one hand in the air. It controls the opposite end of my brain and the other, so on and so forth. But bilateral stimulation has been known to help us psychologically digest. We do it organically in REM sleep, rapid eye movement. Our eyes are moving back and forth and it's REM. Okay. And then the last component is visualization. Visualization in Ephesians 3.20, God says, I can do more than you could possibly imagine. Guess a request in your wildest dreams. He wants us to dream big, 
Mm-hmm. Right. And that's so important. And for us to visualize, there's been some research done by a doctor, Kelly Cole, and she had a group of people visualizing doing finger exercises, a group that actually did the finger exercise. And of course, a cohort that did nothing at all. But in the end, she found that the group that visualized doing the exercises had a significant gain in muscular strength by 22%, just mm-hmm. visualizing it. Wow. It changes the brain. And those individuals that actually did the exercise had much muscular strength gain of only 30%. I mean, more, but it's not that significant compared to 22% of those who imagined. The brain is so incredible. It has a difficult time distinguishing between real and imagined experiences. So when we put it all together, it looks sort of like this, a little tapping and closing our eyes. We're very specific about the visualization. We make sure that those visualizations are held captive to Christ. We'll get right back to this week's episode. I want to help you make life matter with some free resources at AngelaDenadio.com. You'll also find my books, albums, and ways to connect. While you're there, join my online community and be the first to hear exciting updates. If you long to walk where Jesus walked and are ready for the Bible to come alive in ways you have never experienced before, journey with me and Carol McLeod to Israel in 2022. Get all the details at AngelaDenadio.com. And you're, you're framing scripture with science, which I love because we have somehow believed this myth that science and scripture don't coexist, but it's just not true. Science confirms scripture. You know, we read in Romans 12, don't be, you know, conformed anymore to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, that's great to say, but science actually is proving to us, yes, you are not just the product of your genes. You're not just the product of your thoughts. You actually have control over your thoughts. We can create new neuropathways. I'm not the neuroscientist, but I'm fascinated by the intersection of science and Bible because I think if if people can understand there is this beautiful correlation, it actually lends credibility to the Bible for those who may be skeptics about it. So maybe speak to that for a second, how you come to see this work together so beautifully. Yes, we have neurons in our brain. We probably have like 84 billion neurons and each one's capable of making a thousand connections. It's like little trees that are branching out is the neatest thing. And we're choosing how these ge- these trees branch out and we're actually changing our, our genetics. There's a phenomenon known as epigenetics that in our choices, we can activate or deactivate certain genetic expressions. Mm-hmm. It can be adaptive for our life if we put it to Christ or maladaptive if we're just staying captive to where the enemy wants us to stay stuck. But in John 15, it gets me super giddy. It states, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that does not bear fruit and the branches that bear fruit, he prunes it so that we may be more fruitful. That's like the synaptic pruning that we see in neuroscience when we use and we don't use as neurons. Right. And then it says that we are using branches. He's talking about branches, those neural networks with their branches, their dendritic branches. It's all in scripture. And we have to just obey his word and surrender to it because it brings life out of us. Mm, I love that. I've read John 15 so many times and studied, but never thought of it in the context of the branches actually being cut that are not serving us. The negative thoughts, the toxic thoughts, the 
unbiblical thoughts, the lies of the enemy. So you're giving us real tools to be able to use and practice. And we don't have to be victims. We're not powerless. That's what I love. Scripture is so powerful, but we have to know how to apply it and not get stuck. Amen. You know, Dr. Caroline Leaf, I told you earlier, she's one of my heroes. She's so fantastic. She has opened my eyes to this in one sense in particular in Lamentations. It says the Lord's mercies are made new each morning. And she informed us that we have baby neurons every morning when we wake up that we choose life or death, blessing or cursing. How are we going to wire these fresh baby neurons? Our brain is not stagnant. It's not like a machine. Once it's broken, that's it no bueno, right? Mm -hmm. But it's flexible and adaptive. And these new baby neurons are just, it just shows God's grace and God's mercy over our fallible human existence. Wow. I love it. And it gives us hope, right? That we can have peace because peace is this sought after commodity, but it feels elusive to so many of us sometimes. So I know you probably could have named your book so many things. Why did you settle on peace after combat? Why is peace that important to us, Dr. Tiffany? Oh my goodness, you know, be anxious for nothing, but through prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, make your requests known to God and he will bring the peace that transcends or surpasses, wow, all understanding. And that's what we want in life. We want peace. We want harmony. You know, originally the book's title was really catchy. And I think it caught some literary agents. It was Where is God in War? But then my publicist is so brilliant, David C. Cook. They were like, you know, we don't want to jar people right away. I think people are seeing peace. And they were like, I think you need to start thinking peace because it was so ingrained in my head. And I was like, you know what? I prayed over it. I said, that's it. I said, thank you so much, Michael Covington, for coming up with that because it is peace that we're wanting. And this is pervasive for everyone. Peace after whatever negative experience you may have had in your life. That's so good. Peace after divorce, peace after unexpected financial crisis, peace after COVID, peace after everything we've all been through. We need peace. And it's a promise that God gives us. So that means it's accessible to us. We just need to know how to access it. You do have a chapter, though, that's titled, Where is God in War? So that is a question that you answer. Talk about that for just a second. You know, it just goes back to what I stated earlier. We were made for love in order to have love relationship and then relationship free will. Right. And so he is there. He's not the author of the bad things. There's a lot of selfishness going on with the enemy, a lot of mean things that the enemy's doing. It's not God that's doing those things. So understanding that first and foremost. But I think one of the scriptures that really hits home with our combat veterans is yea, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff brings me comfort. They have to visualize. And I help my service members to go back. We go into our rhythm restoration. They do their bilateral stimulation and tapping. And I have them bring up the memory of combat. But I have them see where God was in the midst of it. Where was all the blessing? Where was all the aha moments? Where was all the anointing? And then they start to see, oh my goodness, I didn't realize how he put this person in my life at the right time. And he made this connection. And I totally remember there was no, I don't know how we got out of it, but there's nothing shy of a miracle here. Mm-hmm. His hand completely over us. I, we should have died that day. All of us should have died, but something just happened. And we all believe in that miracle. And so when they start to open their eyes to the good things, instead of the losses, it helps shift their focus and it, it changes the DNA. It changes the proteins and the substrates of the memory. So it doesn't have to be filed in the fear center of the brain, which is the amygdala. It's instead filed back into the long-term memory, which is 
the hippocampus. But I think one thing that's so important is that no weapon formed against you shall prosper in the spiritual realm. None. Even those we lost in combat, they are still made, they're still righteous and made whole in God's eyes and in God's image in heaven. And so that helps them to process, hey, no one's immune to the suffering of the pain of the world, not even Jesus. And no one understands sacrifice more than our Lord and Savior. That's right. That's so good, Dr. Tiffany. Such great insights. That was a really powerful chapter in the book because I'm a survivor of two near-death health crises. And so you can look back at those traumatic experiences and ask, where were you, God? You can shake your fist at God. You can become stuck or bitter or angry. So I saw myself in some of that. And and instinctively, I processed some of it without even knowing how or what I was doing. So to see a manual, a how-to guide that you take us through with some very gritty, you don't spare details. You're, you, it's gritty. It's real. It's honest. It's vulnerable. And I think that invites us to be honest and vulnerable. God can handle our vulnerable feelings, our emotions, our expressions. And you do share so many stories. And I know we don't have time to go into all the details, but is there a, maybe um, one story? story you'd like to just give us a little bit we talk about here on the podcast discovering miracles in life's messy moments or in messy seasons difficult adversities and so walk us through something that maybe would have been a miracle or one of your more impacting stories that you've worked with absolutely you know i'm going to go with girl power on this one okay (laughs) you know it's working with this incredible surgeon and uh, literally a general surgeon. And of course, you know, in the book, I say I'm working with fictional characters whose experiences accurately reflect those of our combat veterans, like their emotional experiences and their psychological ones. So of course there's anonymity. I can't even say the word. They're anonymous. And then <laughs> yes. I can't, I'm not even going to try. My brain's not working. <laughs> Goodness gracious. But needless to say, um, there's this one incredible woman and she is a surgeon and it her, it's her job to be the trauma czar in Iraq. Wow. And, you know, here in garrison, we call it here in America. We just do not have the reason we don't, we, she didn't get the opportunity to work on people with blast injuries. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Okay. So you could work in a city where there's high crime, let's say Chicago or whatnot, and you'll get stabbings and bullet wounds. And, and she can work on that all the time and, and, and be successful at it, but there's nothing like what shrapnel does to the human body. And so she saved many lives as her arms and hands just were, you know, all deep into these chest cavities, right? Mm-hmm. And and how it was such an amazing miracle because she did save so many lives. But then she also felt like she was unworthy because she didn't save a lot of others. Mm-hmm. And, and there were people that clearly could not be saved based on how their injuries and how severe they were. And so she really beat herself up and she, she couldn't even do surgery. She could barely like hold a pencil. I had her do like just a circle on a a notepad and her, her arm would just shake. She couldn't hold it because she was so caught up in it. And so we started processing with rhythm restoration and we started processing. I said, where is God with you? Do you see God with you? You know, this is getting unstuck from God's not the author of evil. And we get all that aside and we start the visualization process. And she says, oh my goodness. She says, I see Jesus with his hands on my shoulders when I'm doing surgery. Mm-hmm. You know, she says, he's grounding me. He's the one holding me. And when I'm crying because I lost somebody, his arms are around me, but better yet, he's still standing next to the person that's gone away. And when I see that person who's gone away, they're smiling off with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then he goes, can I go find 
those I lost. Can I go talk to them? I said, sure. So she goes into her tapping and closing her eyes and she finds them in heaven. And they all tell her, you did so much for us. You have no idea. I know our lives were not saved, but we are made whole. Look at us. We're made whole. Mm -hmm. And and we're what we want to be and who we want to be at the right hand of God. And they say, thank you so much, Doc, for pouring your heart and soul into me Mm -hmm. in my last moments in life. There was nothing more powerful than how much you and Jesus loved me at that time. And so when we were done with treatment and a lot of visualization of her going through surgeries, knowing that God's got her back, her six is what we would call it in the military, right? Then she was able to draw full circles with very smoothly. She wasn't shaking. She didn't have that tremor. And she slowly got herself back into surgery. And in the end, what she ended up doing was turning beauty for ashes, right? She ended up saying, hey, you know what? I don't necessarily need to go back and make amends for all the people I lost. I don't need to. God has already made them whole. But what I can do is now teach others how to do trauma surgery and also be a testimony as to not only the the actual surgery itself, but how it impacted my mind and how they need to see that God's with them and not the author of the terrible things that they saw or did. And so it's just amazing how she came full circle and eventually she retired from the military and is now working as a surgeon, but it's just a phenomenal story. Oh, it's powerful. As you were talking, it made me just realize again, the power of unprocessed trauma, because it pulls us out of our purpose. Her purpose was to be a surgeon, but she literally couldn't even draw a circle anymore. And if we don't deal with the trauma, the pain, the, the false beliefs, like you said, oh, God is the author of this, or he's not trustworthy, or he's not good. If we don't, if we don't confront those lies, if we don't challenge those lies, if we don't uproot them and replace them with the truth of God's word, then this unprocessed trauma will pull us out of God's purpose. We talk about making our lives matter here. You're making your life matter, Dr. Tiffany, through the work that you're doing. And then you're helping restore dignity and and the purpose that others maybe are losing because of trauma. And I hope this has been so so encouraging for our listeners to feel like, you know what, I need to step out of this kind of vicious cycle of trauma and pain and victimization and gain control back over my life. What we do have power and control over. I want to ask you a couple more last questions, but what can we do for those that we love that we do see are stuck in this kind of cycle of unprocessed trauma or For those that are in the military, our combat veterans, what maybe is one piece of counsel that you could give us? I'm not from a military background, but my heart aches when I hear some of what you're saying. What can we do? You know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force him to drink. That's the beauty of free will. It's a blessing and a cursing at the same time if we're not ready for it, right? And so the best thing you can do is say, hey, I'm here for you when you're ready. You know, if you find a book that resonates with you, give them that book if it inspired you. Say, here you go. This is whenever you're ready and you're ready to come around. I noticed you're feeling different. I know you so well. I may know you may not be able to talk about it, but you know, when you're ready to come around, I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. And you know, I really believe in professional help 100%. It's so important. 
However, I don't ever want us to discount how we were meant to help each other. Just because we don't have a license, just because we don't have a doctorate degree, doesn't mean you can't be a vessel of God's light and love and be the reason why somebody else heals. That's good. Wonderful to talk to a professional who has all the acronyms behind their name. It's fancy and all, but sometimes they just need to listen to somebody who's been there and you don't have to have a degree. You know, you just have to allow a Holy Spirit to lead you and And rhythm restoration is something that is so easy that I think anybody can use it. I'm not saying it should replace the professionals, but it's also there as an added resource. There's this list of visualizations that help people get unstuck and we can help one another. And that's what God created us to be. So help one another be there. And, and for those who are suffering, you know, be receptive and appreciative and, and also be cautious too, because You can't cast your pearl before swine. And the Bible says you need to guard your heart because there's people who may have the wrong intent. So pray over who you're going to disclose to. And for the people who are willing to help pray for Holy Spirit to lead you. That's great. That's great, Dr. Timmy. And your book is a wonderful resource. We can't all have you in a professional counseling session, but we can glean from all that you have deposited into this book. Tell us where we can get the book, Dr. Tiffany. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Christianbook.com, Walmart, any of the major resellers. And you can also find my trainings on mastermind.com. I also do short videos to help people understand their brains in light of Jesus. You can find me on YouTube or on Instagram. That's wonderful. I follow her. I, I may or may not have been her stalker over the last few weeks as I was preparing. right back, sister. Stalking I love right it. I think you have wonderful resources and you, you demystify it for us. You make it palatable to where we can actually apply. We don't have to be a neuroscientist to figure it out. Even though we love you and Dr. Lee, we don't have to be a combat veteran. We can be who we are and receive these wonderful principles. This is something I like to ask all of my guests because it helps me to have a little bit of insight into them and maybe to provide a little bit of a spiritual path forward for someone who's listening. So when you get to heaven, other than Jesus, because that's who everyone would answer, what person in the Bible are you most looking forward to meeting? And is there anything like burning you want to ask them or do you just want to meet them? You know, I think it would be Peter because he's made so many mistakes and I have made mistakes in my life too. And you know what? I've gotten a lot of inspiration from him. And let me just tell you this. What is the greatest trauma in all history? I would imagine it would be having to witness our Lord and Savior on the cross and his death. You know, Mary was there, Mary Magdalene, one of the disciples. Peter wasn't there. And, um, you know, Jesus is so good. Like not only does he come back to life to show us he's the truth, the way and the life, right. And his resurrection. But I think firmly as a psychologist that he comes back to have a corrective emotional experience for those who saw him in his final moments as deceased Amen. came back so that they could see him whole. He still had his scars and he came back to each and every single one of them so that they didn't have this singed impression in their head about his final moment. And that's the same thing with our combat veterans. They have this singed impression on their head about the final moments of somebody they loved. Mm -hmm. And so with that being said, he came back and then he went to Peter and, and Peter denied him three times. He goes, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, yes, I love you. And they have this awesome, corrective emotional experience. And I always ask those I work with, do you think that Peter would have gone on to preach the gospel if Jesus didn't come back to give him that corrective emotional, psychological experience after that trauma? 
Probably not because he went back to his default mode network, which was, I'm going to just be a fisherman. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. I did everything wrong. And uh, Jesus came back, had a corrective emotional experience as the ultimate psychologist of all time. And he said, go, instead of just being a fisher, fisherman, be a fisher of men. So I'd love to hear Peter's story and how he walked on water and, you know, how he was scared at the beginning too, because he thought he would be immune to the waves, but you know, no one's immune to all of that. When we have Jesus, he's always our life best, right? But that doesn't mean we're not going to feel the waves. It doesn't mean we're not going to feel the current or the wind or the lightning, right? But we're going to have that life that's on and that's a guaranteed victory no matter what, but we'll still feel the so, so good. So, so good, Dr. Tiffany. I love him. I think there's so much inspiration we can draw from, from Peter. So someone just got free, right? When you were talking there, like we don't have to be, we don't have to be shackled by our worst mistake. Thank you, Jesus, that he gave us a path forward and to counter those singed memories and emotions. We don't have to be held captive by them. So thank you so much. I believe your book, your resource, the work you're doing is so powerful. It is so needed. And whether you're a combat veteran, a family, or someone who loves someone who is, or you are simply wanting more resources and healing from your own trauma or pain in your past, you're going to, you're going to benefit so much from her book, Peace After Combat. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Tiffany. Well, I'm going to invite you to pray over our listeners as we close today, especially those who may be trying to get unstuck from the painful effects of trauma. So thank you. Thank you so much for what you've imparted into us today. Yes, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the listeners out there, Lord. May they continue to be salt and light. I declare healing from head to toe for whatever ails their heart, Lord. I pray that this lesson speaks truth to them. Lord, I pray that you continue to be the lamp unto their feet, light unto their path. Lord, may they hold their thoughts captive to you, knowing that you did not give them a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. They are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. And you, Jesus, are going to take them from glory to glory and victory to victory. May they continue to pour your love out as they are vessels of your grace and your purpose. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com, Facebook at angeladenadiovov, and Instagram at angeladenadio. Until next week, let's make life matter.